welcome to Board Game Binge. The place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and today we're welcoming back Joe Slack and a new guest, his design partner, Sylvan Funk. Together, they've created 14 frantic minutes, puzzly, adrenaline-filled, real-time race-against-the-clock co-op game that's currently on Kickstarter. Joe Sylvan, welcome back to The Binge. How are you doing? Doing great. How are you doing? How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. It is amazing having you guys on here. Uh, I just want to say congrats right off the top. Um, given that, uh, you guys have actually funded. So that's awesome that you guys yeah, crossed that threshold today. today. Oh, yeah. that's, I know the feeling <laughs> I've been there, right. When you're waiting for the, yourself to kind of cross that line, you're biting the nails and it's just like ah, a breath of relief when you, when you cross it. So, you know, and that's in the first, uh, day and a bit. So, uh, congrats on that guys. That's amazing. Thanks James. So for those who don't know, I'm going to go through each of the guests here. So for people that don't know Joe, and I know a lot of people do know Joe, you're pretty uh, popular in the industry, but maybe you can give our guests just a quick overview of kind of what you, who you are, what you're about. Uh, and then we'll, uh, we'll switch over to Sylvan if that's okay. Sure. I'm a game designer. I'm a publisher. I, I write books on board game design and I teach my own course, the board game design course. So I've been designing games for over eight years, been doing it pretty much full time, uh, working in the industry for the last four and just love coming on, you know, your show and talking about <laughs> games. <laughs> and I love talking games with you. And we we get to run into each other quite a bit. Uh, we're both in the Toronto area here in Canada. Uh, so it's always cool to kind of run into you and see you. And the thing I want to actually state uh, for the audience as well is that Joe is uh, joining the Board Game Binge team. So, you know, in the coming months, uh, you're going to be hearing Joe as a guest host and you're going to be interviewing different people and we're going to have you uh, on the show and we're going to intermix your interviews, with my interviews, and it's uh, it's going to be a cool experience. So I want to say thank you so much for agreeing to do that. Um, so Van, yeah. uh, like you're a doctor <laughs> well, and now you're doing board games. It's such a weird kind of uh, dynamic there. So can you explain to people kind of what your background is and what you do kind of for a living? Sure. But first of all, I'd like to apologize because I'm coming out of a bad bronchitis. My voice is getting better. I'm COVID negative. But, you know, it was, it was, it was bad. I, I basically had no voice yesterday. So, so now this combined with the French accents might be uh, your, your audience may have a hard time. But I, I'm no apologize. problem. I'm no apologize. problem at all. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I work as, a, as I'm a cardiologist. I'm an interventional cardiologist. So I'm a basically... A, I'm a hard plumber. It's a stressful yeah. job, but you know, board game design has brought to me uh, another way to keep my mind busy with something else, and also met a community. I met people that yeah. are amazing, and you know, I've been designing games since 2010 with great guys like Joe Slack, David Andrews, uh, Josh Rung. And this is where I'm coming from. So when I have time available, I'm either playing games or designing some, and I'm making pride of making prototypes and look yeah, good. Yeah, and I can attest to that. I mean, I I, <laughs> I first met you at uh, Protospiel here in uh, in Toronto last year, and um, not only are you prolific in the number of games <laughs> that I saw you had your hands on, but there's clearly a quality there. Um, you know, 
and I would walk up to the table and I'd say to Joe, Oh my God, this game looks beautiful. And he said, yeah, Sylvan, you know, he, he hand cut that all out himself. You know, he, he had went and had that printed and that, you know, that's his design. And, you know, you can, you can tell when people put that much care into, you know, the visual look of a game that clearly there's a lot of care put in behind the actual development of the game itself. Right. And the rules and, and yeah. how to put it together. So I didn't realize he'd been doing this since 2010. So that's like 12 years. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know what? I, I have learned a lot. This is the thing, you know, I'm not making games with the hobby going to be published. Don't yeah. Get me wrong. Everybody likes to have their game, their name on, on, on the box. But I'm, I'm, when I'm trying to design a game, I like to, if I'm going to present it to a publisher, that he would have a feel of what I have in my mind. So there's a table presence that is there so they can see, oh, I know where it's going to yeah. do that. Where, where it's going to do that. And um, okay, so I think I've delivered and I'm so, so lucky that I'm working with guys like Joe because I'm making a prototype and I said, Joe, can you balance this game now? Is <laughs> <laughs> that is the math guy? He's okay. We'll change a few things. So we'll keep the look. We'll make it now work again. Yeah, and he brings the balance in. And I, I think yeah. what probably helps with uh, how well you work with different uh, other designers is uh, from my experience working with you. Um, you know, again, I, I can speak to pro spiel and, and other times I, I've talked to you in, in passing at our conventions and so forth is how willing you are to talk about the game and really put some thought behind, oh, that's actually an interesting idea. That's something I can adapt. And you don't mm -hmm. get that with, with every designer. I like, you know, and we, we yeah. all know a lot of designers, right. And, 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 you know, sometimes you'll have somebody ask you for feedback, but they're really not looking for feedback. They're looking for confirmation. Right. And, yeah. and you're one of these people I say, actually, you, you truly are looking for feedback. And I mean, I can think of one of the games where I'm like, yeah, eh. my brother and I were playing and we're like, oh, this is really cool. And hey, did you consider doing this, this, and this? The next thing I talk to you, you're like, oh, I implemented all that stuff we talked about. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> uh, I, that, that was amazing. Yeah. And uh, so that, I think you're, you're actually referring to that, my like, uh, yeah, the martini. martini. Yeah. So, yeah, I think you or your brother mentioned something about making it more yep. family oriented. Like mine carts coming out of a mine shop. Then or came, within a week, came with like a dwarf yep. mining game. Yeah. So, this is, I think this is one thing that you have to, it's almost a must as a designer that you have to be open to yeah. criticism and yeah. let things go and accept things that don't work in your game and move on. And also get the feedback of people and say, oh, this is good, but you should yeah. do it better. And, and this is one thing I like to, when I work with Joe, you know, we have the same, I think, um, the type of games we like are similar. We like games that don't take, you don't have to go through 30 pages of, of rules and sub rules to understand. You say, oh, this game is easy to learn. And then you start to play and say, oh, there's much more strategy in that game than yeah. I thought. This is, you know, the type of game that we like to design, that we like to play. And I think this is why we have such a good synergy. That's fair. It's fine. The genre, right? Like I think of, and th these are the kind of games that are, that are in my wheelhouse, right? I love a game where, um, not some of the tenants, even of my company is we say, you know, you have to be able to teach the game in less than five minutes, right? 
Um, the game has to play in less than an hour. Um, and again, that doesn't, that's not for every game, but that's, that's for us. That's the games that we make. Um, and then the, the last thing that we have is our, one of our key tenants is that, you know, someone who's playing that game for the first time has to have a fair chance of winning. And, and that's, that's something that I that, And that's just out of my own personal preferences. Right. And I think that's how we all work is that things that you like in games you want to kind of put into games that you create, right? And that's something that I, I find that there's nothing I, I hate worse than playing a game where I know that you've got zero chance until you've played it two or three times to kind of understand how it works and the mechanics. Yeah. You want to at least have the illusion that you've got a fighting chance that first time you play. Um, yeah. What about your, you, uh, Joe? Is that like, how have you guys approached games? Because I'm seeing in your games like that as well, that a lot of your games seem, while there's a lot of depth there, they seem uh, very quickly. You can teach some of the game, like very, like I can't think of any of the games I've played of yours yet where I haven't been able to understand it very quickly. Yeah. I think that's something that I really strive for too. And, and yeah. considering the fact that Sylvan is very much the same way, we like to, to play the game more than we like to learn a game. So we want to, yeah. you know, make it as easy as possible for people to get into the game. Okay. In this game, you get these pieces. This is what you're doing like get right into it. Like within a couple of minutes, we want people to get in there playing. And then, you know, there might be the odd question that comes up here and there, or what happens in this situation, but you can get people right into it. It's much easier than doing, you know, a 20 or 30 minute teach of the rules, because by then everybody's forgotten what you said in the first, you know, the first half of it. And people kind of get to that point where like, let's, let's just play and we'll figure it out. Cause you know, I, I'd rather play a game than just, you know, sit here and listen. So uh, yeah, definitely something that we strive for is something that, you learn very quickly, but once you get playing, you understand, oh, there's a depth of strategy to this, or there's so many different paths you can take. So it, it might seem easy and simple at the beginning, but there's much more to it when you get a little further into it. Yeah. How do you frame um, soliciting feedback from people in situations where you have kind of a certain design you're looking for feedback on, but you don't want to turn it into something that's not? Cause this is something I struggle with the most. I find in when I'm doing play testing with games that I'm working on um, where, you know, we've got kind of these company tenants that we set up, right. Where we say, okay, you know, these are the ways, these are the kind of games we want to make. And I find often you want to solicit feedback and I feel bad because I don't want to discount somebody's feedback, but sometimes you start kind of going into this direction where they're trying to turn it into a different game, right. Or into mm -hmm. a kind of game that they would like to play versus, giving you feedback specifically on the mechanics of what you've created here. How, how, how do you deal with that yourself? Yeah, it's definitely a tricky thing because yeah. you want to be open to all feedback. You want people to, yeah. to feel like they have a say in it, whether or not that's going to become part of your game. Obviously you're the game designer, you have the ultimate say, but yeah. I think part of it is just really understanding what the vision is for your game from early on. So is it going to be, you know, a tense, chaotic experience is it going to be something where you want players to feel really clever is it going to be a really heavy take that game is it going to be a light party game where people are just going to be laughing just understanding what kind of experience you want players to have and then you can filter all that feedback through that lens so somebody tells you oh i think there should be more fighting in this game there should be more dice rolling or whatever does that work with your vision is it in line with it if it's completely not in line with your vision then you might be like that's a that's a really good idea i'm not sure that's necessarily where i want to go with it but i'm going to jot that down at least as a thought thank the playtester maybe that idea will work with another game or yeah. if you if you take it in another direction if it just doesn't work but you really want to stick with that vision because it's very easy to go down every single different rabbit hole 
And, and, you know, one person might say, I want more of this. And somebody says, I want less of this. Well, how do you decide? Like you can't do both obviously. So, you know, you have to go with what's, what's in line with your vision, but always, regardless of that, always be thankful to your play testers and, and thank them for their ideas, write them down. And sometimes they also jump to conclusions or to solutions without identifying the problem. So sometimes they'll say, oh, I really want to be able to do this. I want to be able to take that from these people and stuff. And then sometimes you have to go back to that question. Well, why, why do you want to do that? Well, maybe it, you know, if you ask why enough times you find it, well, they didn't have enough resources at the start of the game to do the things that they wanted, yeah. or, you know, maybe this is the type of game they want or you know, that they enjoy. So maybe that's not necessarily your particular audience, but you have to ask those questions to figure out what, what the actual problem is. You, you, you can't solve something without knowing what the problem is first. So it's getting the play testers to describe what they feel is the problem. And then you as the game designer come up with that solution. Sometimes they'll offer great solutions for that, but you just have to be wary about, you know, jumping to solutions before you even know what the problem is. Yeah, it's a great point. I, I always jot down the feedback. I find that um, there's been several times actually where I'll take the idea and say, you know what? Um, not right for this particular game I'm working on, but I'm actually working on another game that's actually pretty brilliant for. And I'm going to, mm-hmm. I'm going to come bring over and adapt it to that, or maybe on the 2.0 of this one. So, but I think you're right. You definitely got to be grateful because people stop giving you feedback if they don't feel that is at least being heard and write it all down. Cause you never know, there's going to be something in there. And sometimes I've been writing stuff down and that it has nothing to do with what I'm writing down, but it automatically triggers another idea of a solution to something else I'm working on. And I wouldn't yes. have kind of, you know, made those mental connections if I hadn't been jotting down that feedback in the first place. So I'm interested, how did you guys first meet? Was it just at these uh, pro spiel events or like, how did you guys first connect? I think it was snakes and lattes, wasn't it still then? Yeah, it was. And uh, which year, I, I think I should check them out. Yeah, it's going back a few years, but uh, it was uh, one of the snakes and lattes. This uh, one of our local board game cafes. James knows all too well. Yeah. Um, they used to do uh, designer nights uh, once a month at, uh, well, at a couple of different locations. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, we we kind of met up there and, and started playing each other's games. I think we also uh, had met a little online and we were talking about a couple things, but we met up there and started playing games and we discovered that we like similar types of games. And uh, Sylvain, I think at, shortly after that was working on a, a word game and he's like, Oh, I, I know you, you've been working on some word games too. Is this something you might be interested in like collaborating on and way to look at it. And I thought it was an interesting idea and we just started working on that. And that actually became uh, both of our first published games forward thinking. So <laughs> it just came together. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty quick, actually. And then, so 14 frantic minutes. Where did the idea for this game come from? So this one was originally uh, my idea. I had this idea for a game that I wanted to have a kind of a tension where you're you're trying to escape, but you're also being chased at the same time. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's a lot of games out there where there's a lot of time pressure and that kind of thing. So um, the original idea was you're, uh, you know, captured by the science lab, in the lab by the scientist and you've been kind of locked up and you wake up and you're like oh no what's happened we got to get out of here so you and your friends have to you know break out of your cells and try to find your way out of the lab but meanwhile he's you know trying to hunt you down because you know you're trying to you're trying to escape and he wants to be he wants you to be subjects so um it was actually very dice heavy at first you were just trying to roll different combinations of dice to get out of your cell and to collect keys 
And then you have to get the right matching keys to get through the right door. So you might grab a red red key and a blue blue key and then be like, oh no, he's right behind us. We got to get out of here and use one of those keys and keep advancing and hope you have all the right keys to get out. And there were two different variations. It was a uh, one versus many where one person was playing as like the, the henchman or the mad scientist coming after you. And then there's another version where everybody just was playing cooperatively and there was more of a timer. So every so often this pawn would move. And, and if you got into your room, he caught you. And then I discovered Escape Curse from the Temple, which is a dice rolling game, a really fast paced one where you're all trying to roll different symbols to get, you know, gems and, and try to get out of there. Realized, okay, this is a little too similar. So I tried a bunch of different things and just wasn't coming up with anything to do with the dice. And I thought I got to do something else other than dice with this, put it on the shelf. And then one day, you know, I was getting together with Sylvan and I said, I want to show you this game and see if you have any ideas i and i said here's kind of the, the feeling i want for it i like i was really going with that feeling that tension feeling the chase and escape i said i want that in here but i want something other than dice do you have any ideas and he said yeah i got some things percolating and you know the next time we meet up he comes to, to me and he's got like four different ideas for these different puzzly ideas and we went yeah. through them and uh the idea of, of connecting these circuits really uh shone through and i was like this is really interesting and we were playing around with it and we we're like okay hey, i think we got something here and we just kind of took it and went with it from there it was actually a a game that i had i called circuitry where player was supposed to build the uh the motherboard of, of a laptop to connect to usb mm -hmm. to the you know the other ports and have your circuit and it was this game was going nowhere and when Joe showed me his concept, I said, okay, I can recycle my idea to this. And I think this is how uh, Dr. Demented was born. It was not called uh, for 40 frantic minutes initially, it's called mm. Dr. Demented. And we started working with the, with the idea of having people working with polyaminos and working together and try to eliminate the alpha player which is amazing because now with, with that design, we people have their own pieces to work with. And the more we work with it, it's oh, this is this is a game there. This is this is working. It's better than chopping dice because people are working with they're making, they're trying to connect things yeah. together in a time-sensitive fashion. And you know, you 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 you've played as the game, you you it's it's um there's tension there, oh, yeah. right? Think, yeah well there's a lot of tension there's yeah. <laughs> that's clear yeah. um would you like yeah. when i looked at this originally i'm like oh this is a, a polyominal game but when i play it yes it's got the shapes but it's not really a traditional polyominal game though is it really because you're kind of making you're making these connections and these circuits i'm going to show this on a screen in a second um but i, th I thought it was quite clever what you guys have put together here and the number of combinations and permutations um seems infinite i'm sure there's there's i'm sure you got an exact number how many combinations permutations mm -hmm. are here but there's quite a lot um i tried this at BrecoCon. uh i i i did horrible at it my kid did way better than i did uh and teased me about it all the way home uh but at the same time she's like dad when this goes live please 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 back it i want a copy of this so i did right i was one of the first backers of this game you're number one was I number one? Oh, awesome. You're number, number one. one. Yeah, yeah. And, but I got two copies. And the reason I want two copies is it's very thinky, right? And I have a father who 
is getting older now and you know he's he's not um you, you know he's retired and and he's he stays home a lot and he was traditionally a very sharp guy that played a lot of chess and for me right away i could see his game and i said you know what i got to get a copy for my dad cuz i know each day him just doing these circuits is going to be good for him with his brain exercises and just staying sharp. And, and I know it's the kind of thing he'd absolutely love. So that's why I grabbed two copies. I might grab a third, who knows, but I grabbed at least <laughs> two awesome. copies. It definitely was a good fit for the family. So I'm sharing on the screen here. Maybe you can walk us through exactly Joe, uh, how you play. I'm going to kind of scroll over the screen. Can you give us kind of an overview of how you play this game? For sure. Yeah. So uh, basically you've, you start off with a board. It's a, it's a security card. So it's basically like here is almost like a motherboard with all these chips on it. And you've got a switch and you've got all these nodes around the board and you flip over a challenge card and it'll say, you have to click, uh, connect the switch to let's say red and yellow. So you have to take these polyomino pieces and fit them together on the board to make the, make that circuit. But you have to work around these chips that are on the board that you can't play on top of. And um, as we were alluding to before, it's not just a matter of placing the polyominoes, but each one of them has um, like a lead, like a line going through them. And that's basically like where the current is. So you have to connect up the pieces in the right way, because if you uh, uh, piece two together, but they don't have the, uh, the pieces uh, matching up, then you have a false connection. You're not actually gonna be able to connect up there. So you're frantically working together, trying to do this, and everybody's got their own pieces. So if you're playing four players, uh, everybody's got five pieces and they're all uh, somewhat unique and uh, you have to work together to put them there, but you can only ever touch your own pieces. So it, you won't ever have one person just taking control and doing everything. You have to work together and say, oh, I need an elbow here. Who has this? And then you're, while you're doing that, uh, you're trying to get it done within two minutes uh, to move on to the next level. If you complete the circuit and move on to the next one, and then we want to the next one, you can bank some time up, but there's a soundtrack that's running at the same time and you can hear the heartbeat and you can hear the sounds getting closer and closer, his footsteps until he finally opens the door and he gives his cackle. And you know, at that point he advances. So you move him ahead to the next room and that's gonna happen every two minutes. And if he ever gets into your room, it's game over. If you can get to the end to the seventh room and solve the hardest um, uh, room in all of the seven, before the 14 minutes is up, then you win as a team. So one thing I noticed when uh, I was looking at this game at, at BreakoCon is right away I also thought about like team building. To me, it seemed like this would be a great kind of little team building exercise. You're relying on other members to have the right pieces, right? To make the, to make the circuit. Will there ever be like a, a version of this that's, that's not co-op? Where it's uh, like kind of like one versus one? Is there is there an option there with that at all? or? Hmm. We haven't really thought about that because it, it really lent itself to a, a good cooperative game. And, and sure. actually, one of the other reviewers um, actually said that. He said this would be great for like a team building, like corporate event or oh, yeah. something. Um, we hadn't really thought about that. I mean, you could have two different people with the same games, with the same level, with the same cards, uh, flip them over at the same time and, and race against each other, I, I suppose. Yeah. But um, you actually need all the pieces because there are some levels where you need, you know, at least half of the pieces. So I got it would be hard to get two people going on, on one copy at the same time. Uh, but one interesting thing you said before too, about like your father playing, uh, playing this game potentially is that even though there's this timed element to it, what, what we definitely saw, especially at breakout con where you were at, if somebody failed, like they, they might not get through the first or second level, 
they continue to work on that puzzle. They're like, I don't care about the soundtrack. Oh. I want to get, I want to figure this out. Yeah. And then when they do figure it out, they have that satisfaction. Like, Oh, okay. That's how it works. And they're like, Hey, let me try again. So if somebody is kind of early to the game or they're maybe not quite as fast, you don't necessarily have to play with the soundtrack. If you just wanted to see if you can accomplish this level, let's see if we can make these connections without yeah. the time pressure. You can just do that as, you know, a thought exercise to see if you can accomplish it. Oh, totally. It's almost like your morning kind of Sudoku, right? It, like <laughs> going through and say, okay, today I'm going to do four. Before I start my day, I'm going to do four. I'm going to do four levels, right? And, uh, and play it out and see if I can get the circus right. I mean, they're not easy. <laughs> At least I didn't find them easy when I was going through. <laughs> No, maybe I'm just an idiot. I don't know. I was playing and my kid is like crushing it. And my brother was crushing no, no. it. It's, it's, it's a challenge. It's, it's intentionally challenging. But I, uh, the one thing is, it is a game where you can get better at it. Uh, yeah. Because one of the main things is knowing the pieces. Because sometimes you get yourself in a situation, oh, I can't get around that corner or whatever. And you don't have that piece. So if you played a few times, especially like early on, and you're just like, let's just try to puzzle this out even without the soundtrack. Then you get to know the pieces and then you get better at it. And then you can go through and you can beat yeah. it. And then you'd be like, okay, let's go to the next difficulty level. And there's also a set of 10 missions you can go through as well. So once you're kind of at that stage, you're like, okay, I've kind of mastered, you know, getting through this. Let's try to get through all the missions together. And they get really, really hard by the end where you're having to connect even all five nodes to the switch on the last level. No, that's amazing. I'm uh, definitely going to put a link to this in the show notes for anybody who wants to check this out. It's 14s of the number one, four, and then frantic minutes is how to find it on, on Kickstarter. If people wanted to um, follow you, Joe, do you have like a social media account that people can kind of follow you on and follow kind of this game and things like that? Yeah. So on Instagram, I'm jslack22. And uh, that's probably the best way to reach me. But uh, other, other than that, uh, you can also find all my stuff on Board Game Design Course because I do uh, free blogs and I have my books and courses up there as well. Now, I know that, I mean, given that you guys are both prolific game designers, there's got to be something else the two of you are working on together. Is there is there another game you guys are working on? Is there something else that's going to be coming after this or kind of what's the next steps? Um, yeah, we're, we're always working on more games. We have uh, one called um, License to Grill that's been signed with another publisher that should be coming out at some point next year. Hopefully it's a oh, barbaric. Cool. It's another polyomino game, but it's um, one where you have a shared grill and you're, uh, you're, you're fighting for space on the grill and trying to kind of be a king or queen of the grill. And uh, we also have a lot of other games on the go, too. Uh, one, one of our favorites we're working on right now is called Mayan Curse, uh, which is a game where you have to slide these um, big slabs and use it's another very puzzly game. You're taking uh, different stones with different symbols and trying to figure out the path to get um, all these gems and the sacred amulet at the end and get out. But there's a tension in it because once you get far enough, you trigger these boulders, kind of Indiana Jones style, that are heading towards the entrance. And you, if you get stuck too far back, you might not get out before you know it all closes. So it's a very much a push your luck and, and puzzly type of a game as well. And how far is that one? Is that one coming next year or, or are you shopping around or it'll be self-published uh, or what's the plan? That's one we're, we're still, we're still working out. Um, uh, we have talked to some publishers about it and there's, there's, you know, maybe some interest there, uh, but we may wind up, you know, this being, you know, our next game it's, it's, you know, up in the air right now, but you might find a publisher or it might be self-published at some point. How do you find the balance? Cause when you, obviously when you're self-publishing, it, it's, like an immense amount of work on top of just designing, right? You're getting into mm. sourcing and distribution and, you know, and, and, and the marketing and all that. So how do you find balance 
with that, given that, you know, you're, you're still trying to work on your game designs and, you know, always keep that kind of engine running, right? Because there's a long development cycle in these games. So you need to have a number of them kind of in development at different stages, but to be doing that. And at the same time, having to manage the manufacturing and marketing and distribution of, of this game, as well as your, your relics game, like, how do you, how do you balance that? Yeah, it, it definitely can be a challenge. And uh, I mean, I just love making games. So there's no shortage of games in the works. Um, but as you know, somebody who's working, you know, mostly by himself and, you know, partnering with others like Sylvain, you know, you can only release so many games um, yeah. in a year because uh, it is all that work, especially if you're doing Kickstarter, because, you know, it can often take a year or close to that um, to, to go from a Kickstarter campaign to getting it delivered to everybody. So at, at most you're going to be putting out one or maybe two games a year. Um, if, if you're doing this kind of on your own, if you have a team of people and you have distribution and the retail connections, then you could do more of that, especially if you're taking on other designers games. Yeah. Uh, but I, I just love, uh, working on games of all different styles, but I think it's also important to, to understand what your brand is. So, with my previous game, uh, Relics of Rajvahara and the expansion Montello's Revenge, it was really very much um, a puzzly type of game that makes you feel good when you you know figure it out. Um, so 14 Frantic Minutes very much aligned with that. So uh, you know keeping it on brand. So other games yeah. that are kind of puzzly nature, you can play solo or with you know multiple players. Um, that really fits that. But then there's other games that you know I'm working on or that I'm working on with Sylvain that don't necessarily fit that mold. And, and I don't want to really be held to only making games of a certain type. If I have an idea for a party game, if I have an idea for a strategy game, I'm going to you know, work on that if it's interesting to me. So the great thing is there's publishers out there that focus on those types of games that are really good at those, that know how to market those and have that audience. So I know that certain games, you know, this would be much better done by this publisher over here than I could do. So it's just kind of finding that balance. Yeah, fair. And I'm wondering just uh, really quickly, because, and I know we're going to cover this in another episode coming up and the, one of the, the first ones that, that you do, uh, but Protospiel North. Mm. Uh, can you do a quick plug on that for uh, for people? Because I know it's up and coming and I want to make sure if there's anybody, you know, within yeah. driving distance or travel distance to Toronto, uh, Ontario, Canada, that they have an opportunity to, uh, to attend that because it really is an awesome event. Can you talk just a little bit about that? Do you mind? Absolutely. Yeah. So it's happening November 25th to 27th. It's uh, basically a weekend, Friday to Sunday, happening here in Toronto. And it's a game design weekend. Basically, all a whole bunch of game designers and playtesters as well get together, playtest each other's games, uh, give time back, get feedback, uh, like we were talking about, um, to make all of our games better. That's really the intention is, is going there, uh, presenting our games. Um, having people play them and, and make them better. So there's going to be, you know, tons of designers there and people can come. If you're not a designer, you can just come as a play tester and just do a, a weekend of playing, you know, games that could be the next thing. You never know. Yeah. And then how do they buy tickets to that? Where, where do they go to get tickets for that? Uh, yeah, I don't know if I'll be able to maybe share, share a link with you because the, the URL is a little long <laughs> for that. But uh, uh, yeah, if you look up Protospiel, um North uh, or whatever. North. Uh, you can find our, our Facebook group. Um, there's an event for the uh, the Facebook group there. So that's probably the best way to find it. And there's a link right there to buy tickets as well. Awesome. Well, after this show, I'll get a link off you. I'll drop that in the show notes as well. So people have a quick click that they can go to. Uh, Board Game Binge Podcast Facebook group, the private Facebook group. Any of those of you out there listening that are not part of it yet, feel free to join. Uh, we will also put a link in there for you to, uh, to get there quick. Uh, I hope to see some people out there. I, it was a blast. I went last year. 
I didn't prototype any games last year. I just went as a play tester and man, you are amongst friends and you are amongst your mm-hmm. community. When you go to this place, it is awesome. So I, I can't wait yeah. again until this year. Uh, guys, congrats again on this campaign. Uh, I'm so, so excited yeah. for you. I'm glad it's funded. Cause I personally just want to get my copy <laughs> <laughs> and I want to wish you all the best in this coming year with this, uh, with this game. Oh, thanks so much for all your support, James. I really appreciate it. And great chatting with you. No worries. Take care, Thank guys. You. Cheers. Thank you. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you would like to watch these interviews live, simply subscribe to our YouTube channel, Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.